We're back. And we're back. What is that from? Do you know? No. Wake up, San Francisco. Do you know what that's from? Wake up. No. Full House. Oh, right. I never thought about that. Speaking of which, I was just telling Quinn, dear readers, and and I'll inform you too, I was just talking to her about how maskne is a thing. Like, I have this zit right at my jawline. I think it's right where mask goes. I had one where, like, the elastic goes or whatever. There's just areas in my face, and it's like, won't go away. That sucks. Well, your mask covers it, so who gives a shit? Oh, who gives a really? shit? I just like, don't like it. No, my I get body, that. Because you're just like, ugh. Get it off of me. Stop it. Snap out of it. That is. I'm trying. Share. Snap out of it. When she slaps Nicolas Cage across the face. Oh, yeah. Moonstruck, right? I've never seen the movie, but I know the. I know. I know. You kill me. Out of date update. Have you seen the Britney Spears documentary? Here's the story. Not yet. However. Is it your story? No, no, no. Uh, I don't know if I told you. I was in a really cool play in college uh, called The Waiting Room. And it's about body image issues. And there's three actresses. It's the, like a three-person show. I mean, there's supporting roles, too. but it's We don't these, count. Them. We don't know. It's, please. <laughs> there's, um, especially when I'm one of the leads. Um, so there's three roles in it. I played a woman that was from Victorian times whose corset, she's sexually abused by her husband, and her corset is also physically crushing her body in a way where it's like pushing her uterus out through her vagina. She has all these internal issues because of it. There was a Chinese woman that played an actress that had foot binding and her toes are falling off due to gangrene and her body's getting infected. And then there's a woman from modern day New Jersey who's dealing with uh, breast augmentation issues and cancer and stuff. And we're all in the same hospital. So it's like different time periods. Oh, different, wild. I feel uh, like I've never heard of that play. But it's the th- it, it suspends belief in that we're all randomly different time periods, different cultures in the same hospital and we become friends and we become right. close and we help each other. And the woman that played the New Jersey role mm-hmm. is the director of this Britney movie. No shit. Yeah. I'm, I've seen the end of it. It is, and I think everybody's totally right when, like, the 90s, the early 2000s was horrible for women. Mm-hmm. Like, really fucking awful. I've watched it so far. It's really sad and traumatic. It's really, like, I mean, there's there's so much about it that you're just, like, this poor this poor girl, mm-hmm. like this poor child, mm-hmm. that's worth a watch. Yeah. Well, everyone's uh, talking about it online, so I'm really excited to watch it. I'm um, excited for it. I was in a I was in a college play that a friend of mine wrote in school, and it was called The Last Days of Heath Ledger. And it was, we all, like, he, they basically chronicled the last days of Heath Ledger, and it was a dramatization of that. And I played Keith Ledger. Mary-Kate Olsen. Oh, I see you as a more of a Heath Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. The heavy hitter. Heavy hitter. You meet people in plays and you have this like intense 
intense relationship with them and you're so close for a period of time and then it's so easy to disconnect it's so easy yeah. to like get lose that track well, and of she and i were in a few classes together and stuff so we were we were theater buddies in college and then uh i lost track of her when we graduated but um then i saw her posting about this movie and was I like i can't believe you know wow, the director of it she's yeah. listen she's doing fucking really well the new york times produced it like She's doing great. She's doing fucking phenomenally. But like, look at what I'm doing. By the same token, equally, you have, I have two beautiful at kids, two hundred listeners. <laughs> yeah, at outside least. of my parents, Outs- not including independent of people we know. I mean, I'm including my sisters. I um, love her. Speaking of family, mine's about to get bigger. Um, what? Dear readers, as you know, no, oh my God, <laughs> like, wait a minute, who's pregnant? No, no, no. No, Koa. Koa's <laughs> pregnant. Obviously, Matt, Koa, Griffin, myself live in a house. Two of our friends, Adam and Spencer, a couple, live downstairs. And another one of my very favorite Vigs is moving in with us. Um, I don't know if he, I think he's more than a Vig because he's also your ex boyfriend. Oh, that's true. So this history with Brayden <laughs> that's moving in. And you wear a bracelet he gave you in high school. So clearly there's some like, you got some ish. You got some stuff that's like you really love him. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> dear readers, my ex-boyfriend and very important gay, Brayden, is about to move By the in way, why didn't me. it work out? <laughs> <laughs> here's our here's our backstory. We met in high school. We were best friends. Then we dated. Then I went to college. And he had some issues at home and moved in to my house and lived with my family for oh, a year. I love that. Um, and stay, he remains very close to my sisters and my parents and myself. He then, uh, we broke up because I knew he was gay and he did not. <laughs> Wait, um, did you break up after he moved in with your parents? Yeah. You guys were together when he moved in with your parents? Yeah. Oh, Okay. And he was very mad at me when I broke up with him. But I was like, dude, trust. Um, then he figured out that he was gay. And that made it much easier for us to really make that seamless transfer to friendship. So we're really close. He uh, married Matt and I. Ugh, love that. Yeah. And he's moving in with us for not forever, but for a while. Because he's going to... he's. Kind of like using us as a as a landing pad to kind of hang out and look for his own place, which he's never had his own place, and so he's gonna kind of be here because he knows it's it's just it's a welcoming home. Well, and he doesn't have to give us notice or anything. He could totally. be like, "I'm gonna move out next week," and we'd be like, "Guys, if, Love you, you, if we can you. invite you over to Quinn's house, we would." It's honestly, it's the best. And talking about Braden, I want to tell you this story, which is that. When we, so when I was in college, I had just started college. I'm a freshman. Braden flew out to New York to visit me. Aww. We went and saw some Broadway shows and stuff. And we went to dinner at like Mogador, like somewhere you go when you're young and you're like hanging oh. out on St. Mark's. Yes. And those places don't card because they need to not card because they're basically. They don't NYU card. NYU oh, students you... are like the main body of people arriving there. If the waiters aren't going to serve you alcohol, they're going to run out of money. By the way, for the record, Sarah Lawrence is in Yonkers. Border of Yonkers and Bronxville. 
Thank you. Definitely they put the post office very deliberately in Bronxville so they can charge them Bronxville prices. Um, Ooh, interesting. It's Bronxville is the richest, whitest place I've ever been in my life. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. And they, like, hate Sarah Lawrence, I think. Because they're like, you're crowding our streets with garbage people. And they, they used like to Larry. get so mad. because Not your we... dad, the bad guy Larry. Yeah. <laughs> well, Larry Ray is garbage. Yeah. Um, we used to ha- get to have an annual dance called the Coming Out Ball. And it was very um, in honor of coming out, but then became like coming out, like what's your private freak flag, let it fly. And then it turned into right. like just something people showed up naked to. It's very... Over the top, the only rules of the dance are no exposed pubic hair and no public penetration. So that's, Sarah Lawrence had to make those rules very deliberately because of what behavior they were seeing at this dance. <laughs> that's People so get out. so crazy that they, the town gets really mad though because we flood the hospital. Because <gasps> everyone oh, goes God. in for like, OD and like uh, severe alcohol poisoning. Like oh, everyone, shit. like everyone gets so fucked up that we're like screwing over the town because we're like we're just gonna have the hospital overflowing with idiot eighteen year olds that don't know how to do <laughs> oh, drugs and drink. No, and you're a town. That sounds that's like, like a nightmare. Yeah, it's like don't don't break your finger on the day of the coming out because you do not want to share the hospital waiting room with us because we'll barf on you. So have you they, been? Have you been in the? Were you at the hospital for the? No, I did not go to the hospital. When I'm so proud of college. you. Oh, Quinn, never have been Hold to on. the Bronxville Hospital. Oh, I'm so proud of you. That's really good news. I'm. I'm actually really. You don't want to be that person, and that's right. just someone who like was so sheltered, and then went to college, and then went fucking crazy. Yeah, so try to go crazy now, go all you 18-year-olds no, that go, are listening. Go crazy when you're at home in high school and get and, like, have your mom and dad take care of you and then, like, reprimand you, you know what I mean, and then learn your lesson. So Far that, more healthy. Far more healthy. So that when you go to college, you're kind of like, ugh. Been there, done that. Been there, done that, and you're not without your parent, you know. Well. I'd rather you drink in the house. Oh, totally. <laughs> oh. If you're going to drink, I'd rather you drink in the house. Like the kind of parents that, like, gave you, you a mean cigarette mean and made you smoke it in front of them? Wait, I've met my parents. <laughs> no, my parents didn't do that, that either. But insane. I definitely went to school with people where, like, their parents were like, I know you're going to want to try this, so here. And then would, like, give their kid a cigarette and, like, have them smoke it in front of I them. I would never give my child a cigarette. I definitely had several friends in high school where that was the case. That seems so counterintuitive because it's, it's so fucking bizarre. addictive. Yeah, <laughs> skip it. What is wrong with people? Agree. Parents are weird because no rules. The rules are there ain't no rules. That's from Greece. But also parenting 101. So's Grease Lightning. The only thing go is like Grease don't... Lightning, you're burning up the 409. Grease, Grease Lightning, lightning go Grease lightning. lightning. The thing is, is yeah, the parenting, there's like no real rules. I mean, there's rules like feed your kid, give them shelter. Love them. Bring them to school. You don't even have to love your kids. If you don't, oh, you're really? a monster. There's I've been doing no this rule. Wrong. There's no rule that says you have to love your kids. They're just like, make sure they eat enough and have a safe place to go. Think about it. What other rules are there? Give them one cigarette and make them smoke it in front of you. (laughs) And make sure to expose them to all the drugs from the safety of your own home. (laughs) Well, so Brayden came to visit me at Sarah Lawrence and we went out um, for dinner one night in the city and 
This is so great. Obviously, because we were 18 or whatever, we hadn't um, ordered wine before, but we wanted a bottle of wine. We order a bottle, that 18 of wine. a bottle of wine. <laughs> they bring the bottle of wine to the table, and you know how they like present it like yeah. this? They're like, here's what you ordered. So they go to present it, and Braden doesn't know what is going on. So the waiter's presenting the bottle, and Braden just reaches out to take the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine being the server? You know what he did that was so nice? What? He like saved the day. He like grabbed Braden's hand and stopped him from taking the bottle and just went, Yes, sir, it is cold. Oh. And tried to like affirm that Braden was doing the right thing, not a weird idiot thing. Oh, and that's I good that improv. was so nice. And also, they didn't want to get busted. You know, yeah. they had to protect their like, liquor we, license. Let's all pretend we're let's in all the pretend right we're here. adults that we're all. But also, like, think about it. How do you learn to not touch it when they present it? I mean, it did feel like he was like, "Here's your wine," and it's like, "Well, thank you. I'll take it." <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's really funny. Was yeah. it a good bottle? <laughs> was it just the cheapest I'm bottle? Sure you're we, like, we'll have the cheapest. It is really <laughs> embarrassing when you're doing... I have to say, I now as a very confident, uh, almost 40-year-old, happily say to waiters, we'll have the cheapest bottle of red or white or whatever. But when you're young, you have this idea that that is like so embarrassing. So instead you find the cheapest bottle and then you say like, I'll have the... Sauvignon Blanc, and it's the cheapest, the cheapest bottle. Or you go to the second one up. But as if they don't know that that's what you're doing. No one has ever happened. Oh, oh my God, the cheapest bottle on this menu happens to be my very favorite. That's just not something that happens. It's oh, is this Franzia? I'll have that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I just, you know what? It's so funny though, too, because wine they upcharge you, and also like I, I don't mind like a, a nine, ten, a ten dollar, fifteen dollar bottle of wine. That's fine with me, and that's gonna be. You're not gonna see that at a restaurant. So. No, you're gonna see like the. It's gonna be charging forty dollars okay, or fifty dollars. Okay. But so what I'm saying is like if I buy a ten to fifteen dollar dollar bottle of wine and I'm fine with it, then chances are very good I'm gonna be fine with the forty or fifty dollar bottle of wine, which retails at. 10 to $15. Right. So the truth is, I can't really tell the difference. No, no, no. I can't, I can't anymore get like yellowtail. Like I grew Ooh. up and out of it. Cupcake? No. Can't do. Barefoot? No. Oh, but Chateau Diane, I love. <laughs> Have you ever had that? It's the kind they sell at like 7 Eleven. Is it less like it's, alcohol? It just says wine product because the they can't product. legally say it's wine. They're just like wine product. I love a good wine product. Who doesn't love wine product? Mm. That's, and then I grab it. Oh, it is cold. Oh, oh, chili. Ah. Chateau <laughs> Diane, you're freezing. Dion, it's Chateau Dion. Oh, yes, I How believe dare. it's pronounced. By the way, you're listening to Truly Darkly. That's Carrie Ipema. And that's Quinlan Posner. And Carrie's gonna tell us a First. story. She's gonna tell us a motherfucking story. Um, I got this from you bet it you guessed it, Wikipedia. Loria Johnston on Medium. Is Medium just like a blog spot? Yes. Like I have an article on Medium. So like it's not real. Everybody find Quinlan Posner on Medium. We can watch. What is it on? I think I put it under a fake name, actually, because it's for one of the shows I wrote. 
So the show starts uh, by you find an article and there's like a missing, you know, it's like mystery fun. style. Have I not done this show? It's Tracing Spheres. Right. Starts on a Medium article. Smart. Yeah, not me. I have I did read that because I did the show and I enjoyed it. Oh, you look like you're lying. I does. As soon as I said it you quickly really, like that, really it really looked, looked like, like I was lying. lying. And you know I didn't because I actively texted you the whole night being like, I'm confused. Yeah, every time you so, got stuck. So I know you're telling I, so the you truth. Don't to, but, that, but you really seem like you're lying. This is how bad That's of scary. a liar I am. You're, ba- you're a bad truth teller. Yeah. And so what I'm you are. fucked when it comes to lies. Because you already seem like you're lying I when you're like telling I'm, the truth. I know. As soon as I started talking fast, I was like, this sounds like I'm lying. But I'm not. <laughs> like, there's things. Oh, totally. Watched it. Loved it. Great. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well done, well done, bravo. You're like, have you seen this movie? I'm like, yeah, 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 absolutely loved it. They're like, no, you haven't. And it'd be the one movie that I've seen, but because I haven't seen any other, and I've been truthful about not seeing any other movies, you're like, there's no way you've seen Well, that. you already revealed yourself as yeah. someone that has seen The Wedding Planner like and an... not much else. <laughs> and that's my story. So, Loria Johnston's Medium article, Delaware Online, Delaware Public Media, Murderpedia, Independent IE, and I did locate the story on this New York Times article list that it was like 50 states of true crime where each state had a true crime book written about it like there was a true crime in each state Fun. that there's a book based on it and so it was like a really nice list to compile and be like who which one is this which one is this so i'm doing the story of Anne marie fahey a little bit about her she's one of six kids her family comes from ireland i believe she's a first generation american really sadly she lost her mother at nine years old so sad her dad quickly became an alcoholic and it just like wasn't a very positive upbringing that she had she was really insecure about herself but she was really sweet and really kind she studied international relations and in her career, she started working for politicians. She started working for this guy, Thomas Carper. When she started, he was a congressman. And then eventually he became the governor of Delaware. He brought her along. And for this, like, kind of young woman who's insecure, comes from a tough background, she's a scheduling secretary for him. And it's a big opportunity, right? She's, like, going to the big city, to Wilmington, Delaware. This is where she meets Thomas Capano. Thomas Capano, not Tom Carper. Tom Carper is who she works for. Thomas Capano is this guy. Thomas Capano is from like an Italian family. It's families of like business guys, developers. Uh, they have a real estate empire. They probably make millionaires. Okay, they're very rich. <laughs> I feel like when you talk about them, it's like the very rich family. I think he had family and out in you know because Delaware is a very small place, so I think he had family in like Jersey and Philadelphia and all over. The tracks. So anyway, so Thomas Capano, he um, has four brothers. It's known that he was his mother's favorite. His younger brother, run-ins with the law. Like he, like they, they weren't the cleanest of folk. In terms Mm -hmm. of, like, they were a little slimy. But he became a lawyer. He was rich. He was really well-connected. He was married. He had four daughters. He became the state's deputy attorney general before becoming a partner at a huge law firm. He was, again, like I said, really well-connected. But specifically, he was well-connected to politicians. And he was known as a consultant. And met our Anne-Marie Fahey while she was working for Governor Tom Carper. 
Now, this guy was married, had four kids. You might say, aren't you busy? Don't you respect women because you have four daughters? <laughs> and you would use that tone of voice. And I would simply say. Your voice would be going up at every sentence. <laughs> so what happened was, is he meets Anne-Marie Fahey while she's working for the governor. Now, this guy, obviously, hands full, wife, four kids. Also, he had a 15-year relationship with another woman, Debbie McIntyre, who happened to be a friend of his wife's. So this guy's like How do people have time cheater. for stuff like this? You know what? It is a his... lot of time you put into a relationship. Why in the world do you want who to double the time? time? And also, like, how do you live sans guilt? I guess... We find out this guy did it very easily. He had a lot of affairs. Yeah, I guess skill set. Things later, people later said that he had uh, the guy with the vel- Velcro's fly, because his fly was just opening all the time, spreading his seed. Oh god, cheating it. on his wife. He's like the sperm donor we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> totally. He's spreading his seed. Um, in 1994, he becomes involved with Anne Marie Fahey. She's 28 years old at the time. He's 17 years her senior. So. It starts with like he's... forty-five. <laughs> sure, you no, did, I did it. it. You did it. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It starts with like him buying her gifts and trips. Like she'll go to Virginia with him. Very romantic. <laughs> Virginia's for lovers. It's... Doesn't it say that somewhere? <laughs> I think if someone's like, "Let's go on a trip somewhere," and they bring you to Virginia. Aim higher. So (laughs) April 24th, 1994, in her journal, she writes, I'm afraid because I'm in love with a man who has a family. I fantasize my life with him all the time. He is very gentle, intelligent, handsome, and interesting. So this is a guy, he's not a looker, to be clear, but he's just like... Very interesting. And also it's important to know, like I said, she's really insecure. She doesn't have a lot of confidence. And I think she's easily duped into thinking this guy's a good guy because not two days later in her journal she writes our relationship is finished i know it is my problem and my fault i told him things that were hidden inside me she's so insecure she deals with depression she deals with mental health stuff and he uses that against her Mm -hmm. so he was controlling he was jealous and so he would like tell her what to wear who she could talk to, what she could eat. And it got so bad that her brother was like, I think you need to see a therapist. And her brother helped pay for a therapist. And then in 1995, her therapist died in a car accident. Dang it. This poor woman, her mother died when she was a child. Her father was an alcoholic. Her therapist, she like tried to get help with, died in a car accident. Her, she developed bulimia and anorexia because she was so, like, it was, this poor woman was, like, just really not in good shape. And this guy, Thomas Capano, fucking got a hold of her and, like, destroyed her. She wrote in her diary later, I realized just how vulnerable I had become. I allowed someone to take control of every decision in my life. A controlling, manipulative, insecure, jealous maniac. Whoa. He would use everything against her and he would do this abusive thing, this completely horrifying, manipulative thing where she'd be like, I'm going to leave. And then he's like, no, 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 I'm going to leave my wife and we're going to be together. And then if she didn't, he'd be like, well, then you have to return all the gifts I gave you. (laughs) (laughs) And and 
also it would be this. Don't accept gifts. <laughs> don't accept gifts from strangers or strings otherwise. Strings are attached. And then it would be this horribly manipulative thing where like, and she was on medication, like she was on Prozac and she was dealing with her eating disorder. And I should say she was dealing with her disordered eating. She'd hit rock bottom or something and he'd come and rescue her. Mm-hmm. And so she felt this like deep attachment to this guy and it just was this, like, horrible cycle where, like, it was on again, off again, and she just couldn't quit him. In 1995, she got a little bit of distance from him, right? So I guess this was, like, a year and a half after they started seeing each other. She started this relationship with this guy, Michael Scanlon. He He's well off. He's her age. He's single. <laughs> and he seems like not a bad guy. Yeah. And treating her well and she starts falling in love with this guy and so obviously thomas capano can't handle that so he starts going crazy he's like emailing her calling her he he's like expressing to others how crazy she is and like spreading lies about her um and he's trying to get her to stop in going into this relationship with michael scanlon um at this point he had separated from his wife but it's also to be clear, he started seeing other women as well. So, like, he separated from his wife not to be with um, Anne Marie, but rather just because his wife probably got sick of his shit. And then he started seeing other women or flirting with other women, texting other women. So it wasn't like all of his eggs were in Anne Marie Fahey's mm-hmm. basket. Like, he still had this long-term 15-year affair with this Debbie McIntyre. Yeah, so um, you just want to be like, let her go. Just let this woman, this young woman, go. So in her diary, April 7th, 1996, Anne-Marie writes, I have finally brought closure to Tom Capano. What a controlling, manipulative, insecure, jealous maniac. For one whole year, I allowed someone to take control of every decision in my life. So it clearly is like she's getting closure from him. She's in this new relationship. Things are going well. Then June 17th, 1996, her and Thomas Capano go to dinner together. The circumstances of why they met for dinner is unclear. I think she genuinely thought that maybe they could be friends again. Um, And they met in Philadelphia. People at the restaurants said she didn't eat much, that it wasn't a very happy meal. There wasn't like... he doesn't let her, right? He was probably (laughs) like, and you're having the (laughs) antipasti. Yeah, and everything apparently like... The restaurant was like everything. She didn't touch anything and everything was to go. Um, It wasn't like... It was... It doesn't sound like... It doesn't sound like a great date. And it's not a date, right? It's It's a friend date. It was a friend date, but it didn't sound sound enjoyable. So this was June 17th. On... June 20th, no one had heard from her because she had the day off of work the next day. And so, like, the weekend passed and no one heard from her that Monday. So that's when her family got a little worried and started contacting the police and listed her as a missing person. Local authorities went looking for her. They found nothing. In her apartment was her shoes, a dress over her table. On the counter was a bag of fruit that had just been bought. And then a box that hadn't been opened but was a gift from Thomas Capano. What was peculiar about her place is she liked everything to be tidy and exact. And the fact that this house was left this way is not like her. Right. So the house was suspicious. House interrupted, we call that. House interrupted. Now, this is in 1996. So local authorities looked for her. And then when they found nothing, the FBI got involved that July 1996. And then President Bill Clinton at the time even offered (laughs) 
to aid in her search. What? Again, That's she's very the, strange. Well, she's the scheduling secretary right, right, right. of okay. the governor she's of Delaware. Okay. So, like, I think it, it's probably a small world. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe she and Bill had a thing. Maybe. Sorry, Bill. Had to go there. I mean, Bill was like, your mistress is missing. I feel that. Let's find her. (laughs) I know how that goes. Let's find her. She's young. Let's find her. So. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously. But we love you, Bill. We love you, Hillary. Correct. (laughs) So, anyway. So, since, obviously, Thomas Capone was the last person to see her. He became suspect numero uno. He says that he dropped her off at home that night at 10 p.m. But again, that was weird because there was no blood anywhere. Like, there was no evidence of any struggle, anything. Nobody saw him at that point. So, over a year, the grand jury is hearing evidence on this Thomas Capano, but they don't have a body. They don't have a murder weapon because there's no cause of death. Like, we don't know how she fucking died. What happened was they believe that he convinced her to come back to his place. This is me editorializing because I have been in an on again, off again relationship. Sometimes that thing is strong. It can pull you back. Maybe she came back to his house being like, all right, one last time we'll hang out. Cause at some point he, her dress was removed, which is why it was at her house. But, like, no blood was on it. They might have been watching movies or TV or something. But regardless of what happened, he pulled out a gun and he shot her in the head and killed her. In 1997, his brother, Jerry, was interviewed by the police. And this is when the story came out. Thomas called his brother and was like, can I use your boat? And his brother was like, sure, bro. I love you. I'll do anything for you. You can borrow my boat. Thomas Capano took her body, put it in a cooler, brought it on the boat, and Jerry helped with this. And what, they dumped the whole cooler? They tried to dump the cooler into the ocean. Because, like, they think the weight will... However, it starts floating. Of course. That's what I was like. (laughs) No one was there to figure that one out. So he shoots it with a gun. Shoots the cooler. Shoots the cooler with a gun, hoping that it'll fill up and sink. That does not work. Oh my God, these idiots. They're just fucking idiots. And this guy is like, thinks he can do no wrong, right? So he pulls the cooler back in. It's important to note that she's 5'10". So he has to like, he has to aggressively put her corpse in this cooler. Obviously, this is 62 miles out in the ocean in the boat. And when it wouldn't sink, they shot the cooler. It still didn't sink. They had to bring the cooler back in, take her body out. At this time. They got the cooler back in the boat? Yes. That seems really hard. It's all like, what the fuck is your problem? So they bring the boat. I mean, it all just seems. But I guess like if your life is on the line, you'll do fucking anything. Right. So they take her body out. They wrap it in chains. They throw it overboard. All while doing this, Thomas throws up on the boat. I don't feel bad for him. Huge exertion of energy. I mean. And also it's the body of his supposed lover. Go fuck yourself. He wraps her. He wraps her in chains. He throws her overboard. Her body is never discovered. No? No. Ugh. The cooler then was dumped, and a fishing boat found it later on. I think that week. Idiots. <laughs> Idiots. Then what happened was, is because there was blood all over his carpet and couch, he had to get rid of it so quickly. So the next day, he gets rid of the couch and his carpet, 
and he asks his other brother, who manages a dumpster, his brother named Louie. Yeah. And he's like, yo, Louie, do me a solid. Can you dump this dumpster ahead of schedule? And his brother's like, yeah, sure, anything for you, bro. So he's able to get rid of all of the evidence and then throw it out immediately. It's gone. Except Um, from the cooler. (laughs) (laughs) That July was discovered. Now, they were like, what was the murder weapon? How did, what happened? Debbie McIntyre, his mistress of 15 years, she had recently bought a gun for protection. And he asked to borrow it from her. And she came clean in an interview and she was like, oh, he asked to borrow my gun. So that's how we know that he had a gun at the time. But it wasn't listed under his name. 16 months after her disappearance, he is finally arrested. All this evidence comes to life. His Mm -hmm. brother's testimony is probably the most damning eyewitness account of him actually having the body. This is the brother that lent the bow. Yeah, Jerry. He was finally arrested 16 months later in November 1997. Before the trial, her diary was published in the local paper and media. And it painted a picture of someone who was dealing with mental health issues. And, you know, she had anorexia and bulimia and she was, she just was not her healthiest. So she talked about taking medication and stuff. And it showed all of her vulnerabilities. The trial started in 1998. It was a 12 week long trial. The cooler is the main piece of evidence they have. That's about it. They don't have really any other evidence. However, this guy, Thomas Capano, is so cocky, he's so fucking arrogant, that the jury immediately fucking hates him. Great. The defense of the trial, he claims that Debbie, his mistress of 15 years, he, she comes in and she walks in on Thomas and Anne-Marie and she gets really pissed off and she has a gun And so she threatens to shoot herself, but Thomas comes in and struggles to get the gun away from her. Oh, no, it goes off. It hits Anne-Marie Fahey. Of course, Debbie's like, that's not what fucking happened. Debbie's like, no, bro. He's thinking he did the perfect crime because there's, like, very little evidence and he doesn't have a gun and he's able to pin it on Debbie. It was, like, his insurance of getting out of this. He did admit to putting the cooler her body in the cooler in the testimony. So he did cop to that story, but he was claiming his innocence or that she was killed as an accident. Right. Flash forward, 2017, a juror came out and told some stories about what happened in the deliberation room. And she said that at first, when everybody voted, they were like, who thinks he's guilty? It was half and half. Oh, wow. And then what happened was, is they were like, we don't know if she could fit in a cooler. So this one woman came up and she was like, I was a couple inches shorter than Anne-Marie Fahey, so I got in the cooler. And what happened was, is in the deliberation room, this juror gets in the cooler and they try to close it and they realize it's really hard to close it. So they realize that he had to like break her bones and stuff and get into it. And that changed shit for the jury. And the jury immediately was like, that guy's fucking guilty. You know what I mean? Like he claims he like put her body in gently and like, you know... It's all bullshit, but they, because the juror put in this, put herself wow. in this cooler. That's so interesting that that's what got them upset. They're like, after she was already dead, he didn't treat the body well. In other words, this is the kind of person that could do a murder. Do a murder. So in January 1999, the jury convicted him of first degree murder 
in a total from 11 to 1. That was the jury count. 11 to 1, first degree murder. During the sentencing, his former mistresses, I don't even want to say that because I feel like they're victims in their own right, came forward to talk about how he beat them, how he was manipulative, how he was like a really bad guy, that he stalked an ex and he forced her to leave Delaware. Even his friend came forward and so and told um, an FBI informant that he was like he wanted to hurt her for turning him down. So it kind of gave even more cause to why he would kill Anne-Marie. At his sentencing, the closing argument, he refused to admit that he killed her. But he told jurors that he was, I'm not going to ask you to sit here and beg for my life. I do ask you to consider my daughters, my mother, and the rest of my family. For their sake, I do ask you to let me live. I hate that argument because it just harkens back to like, I have daughters. I wouldn't do that to someone's kid, but you did. You fucking mm-hmm. killed her in cold blood. He was sentenced to death by link, by lethal injection. His death sentence was set for June 7th, 2005. Obviously, he appealed. Obviously, there's no death sentence that people don't appeal. And I I don't totally believe in the death sentence. Um, but the when death he, penalty? The, did I, the death sentence, did I say? The, the old death sentence. <laughs> I don't know if I believe in the death penalty, Um but anyway, he appealed. I don't believe in the death penalty. I don't really either. But, but I can tell you right if now. If there's like a serial killer who's like better, I'm like, I, you know. The I problem believe is in rogue action is the truth, though. What's rogue action? I'm saying like, like I a, don't believe in the death penalty, but I don't have a problem with the thought that if somebody hurt someone you loved, you would go after them and kill and them. And kill them. I, yeah, I think if I you have someone you love. I just don't believe it's the government. I don't think we we do it right in court. I don't think that well, we're. I also find like the a, people that. It's a very flawed system. The people that we don't were deserve. put to death this year. By the way, in 2020, there's been more. The federal government has put to death more people than in the last 40 years. Donald Trump and his cronies were like, speed them through. Kill them all. Kill them all. The guy, one guy that got a bunch, I don't remember his name, but he was like helping people in jail the jurors were like hey we don't think he should like the jurors at the trial were like we made a mistake he shouldn't be put to death anyway this case the judge at um when he appealed the judge said the defendant fully expected to get away with it and if not for his arrogant and controlling nature he may have succeeded he is a ruthless murderer and feels compassion for no one and remorse only for the circumstances he finds himself in today which I loved. Yeah. yeah. However, if after his appeal in January 20, 2006, the Supreme Court upheld the conviction, but they were like, you can take a second look at the death penalty because the jury wasn't unanimous. It wasn't a 12 to 0. It was 11 to 1. Right. And in February that year, the state decided we're not going to pursue the death penalty. They kind of were like, we'll let it slide, but he's life in jail without parole. Some more appeals, but eventually he stopped. In September 2011, he was found dead in his cell at the age of 61 from cardiac arrest. They expect no foul play, but what folks say is that he ate himself to death, that he, like, just kept eating and wanted to slowly kill himself that way, was just, like, kind of gave up on life. In his obituary, he... uh, How funny and backward. It's interesting that she had... The eating eating disorders, disorders that made her pro- like hold what she ate and all from herself. Yeah, 
and that he died of an eating disorder of overindulgence. It's yeah. just very interesting. Also, it's interesting, like, he died of su- that. what they, it's quoted as saying, suicide by food. In a, the prison complex where he's serving a life sentence. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have enough food, but I'm like, how is he, how is he eating all that? Is that stupid to say? No. You're wondering, like... Do How? prisons have all-you-can-eat buffets is, I think, your yeah. question. I think that's your question. We'll have to look into it. We'll look into <laughs> it. His obituary obviously didn't mention his conviction of murder, but there was one moment in it says, was many things to many people. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, like, tombstone inscription, right? It was many things to many We don't want to get into people. it. But we many don't, things to many people. He was many people. things to many people. Suffice Murderer, it to say. father. You know, it was many things. Murderer, father. father. Um, after his death, his brothers, of course, fought over the family's, his inheritance. You know, they were like, money! Um, and I'm going to leave this with a quote from Anne-Marie's brother, because let's give the last word to the victims. He killed Anne-Marie. He murdered Anne-Marie 15 years ago. He had the benefit of solitary confinement for 15 years. She was robbed of her life, so it was clearly long overdue, meaning his death. Given that he never atoned for his sins, he never admitted he was guilty, and he ruined many people's lives, my guess is that he went straight to hell, and that's where he belongs. Amen. Amen. I just, there was, the interesting part of this case I felt was like, this guy who was well-connected, super fucking powerful, he still got his, which is like something that's kind of, I'm hopeful when that happens, you know? <laughs> and I was shocked that he was convicted without a body. When does that happen? Oh, you're right. I'm so excited to listen to your story. Anyway. You are? All right, let me Thanks for listening table. to my story. I didn't listen. I'm going to tell you the story. You know what? What? I'm doing Don't another fucking haunted doll. Another? I'm doing another. I'm addicted to haunted dolls. You're addicted to haunted dolls. I love a haunted doll. Don't you? Admit it. I mean, we've talked about it. It's like a clown, a doll, like anything childlike that's supposed to be like child joy and wonder. Do you want to see? Absolutely. All right. I want to see. Let me show you a picture. Oh my God. Of course I want to see. I think, think it's, it's going to surprise you. Um... What the the dolls like? Okay, finding out that Annabelle was a raggedy Anne. That's Harold the haunted doll. For the record, do you want to tell the dear readers what you know, what you see? Okay, so bring them there visually, (laughs) take them on a journey. Yeah, so it kind of looks like the face looks like Honey Boo Boo. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) as a baby, sure. Um, there's like maybe a little tuft of red hair up top and a very round face, tiny little lips. One eye is black. One eye is not centered. Is that what I see? I'd say both eyes are black. One has some white in it. That's nah. I would ignore that and look at that because all these. Now, what's also important to know is that the body, it, it has plastic arms and legs, but what's really weird is it has, like, a plastic bib. Do, do, do Did anybody's grandma have dickies where it's just the collar and it stops right above the boob? It's like the baby has a dicky plastic top and the rest of it is, like, burlap, like, um, stuffing. Very old looking. It very, is very dirty. Old. I am, listen... It's like, this doll actually looks like it could be fucking haunted. Well, it must be. Let me tell you 
its Please. origin story. I got my information straight from the source. HaroldTheHauntedDoll.com. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. HaroldTheHauntedDoll.com. Um. <laughs> so let's start in 2003. Straight from the source. <laughs> do you, do you straight the... from the mouth of the doll himself. Harold. <laughs> Harold told me he was haunted. <laughs> so we'll go to 2003. There's this young aspiring filmmaker named uh. Greg and he goes ahead and throws this doll up on eBay as we all know people that have haunted things love to do so this, he, it was haunted before he put it up let me read you what he wrote okay. on eBay I'm sure it's happened to each of us at least once or twice you're walking around the flea market or antique mall looking for a treasure or two and you come upon a beat up looking doll you think to yourself oh that's charming or <laughs> The child who owned that doll must have really loved that thing. But what I thought after seeing the doll that day should never, ever be repeated. (laughs) This doll was purchased in a small dirt lot flea market in the quaint town of Webster, Florida. Webster's a very charming, industrious town about 60 miles southwest of Gainesville. They have a weekly flea market offering treasures, bargains, and aisles of kernel corn. Anyways, I digress. (laughs) Kernel corn? Kernel corn. Who not, the fuck says kernel corn? Not kernel corn. What the fuck is kernel, kernel corn? I never heard of it. Not kettle corn. Kernel corn. I had arrived at the flea market fairly late in the day when most people were packing to go home. That is when I saw an elderly man placing the doll in a box. It looked interesting, so I asked the man if I could see it. The conversation went something like this. Man, you don't want to see this doll. Me. <laughs> Sure I do. What do you want for it? Man. Well, that's a good question because it's very old. The man looked like he was going to cry. It was my son's. I bought it for him when he was born and he passed away a few years after. This doll has sat in my work shed for over 60 years. I wasn't going to bring it out today, but I figured I just needed to get it out of here. Anyways, I want 20 bucks for it. That guy does not know how to bargain. This story's amazing. I gave the guy 20 bucks, put it in a bag, and walked away. When I was halfway down the aisle, the man came running over, visibly out of breath. Man, I have to warn you about something. I can't just let you take him like this. The reason it's been in my shed is that the doll brought an eerie presence into our house after our son died. We would hear crying and singing from his bedroom. When we went to check it out, there was nothing, just the doll. Other things started to happen, and the priest told me I should burn the doll. I tried and tried, but it would barely burn. That's why his arms and head are so warm. Anyways, I just wanted to let you know. I told him, okay, and chuckled to myself as I walked away. That was until I got home, and my life has never been the same. (laughs) Two days later, my cat died. My girlfriend left me for the pool guy. I began to have chronic migraines. No. And this is only two days after purchasing the doll. Can you call it a chronic migraine if it's two days? <laughs> Can you call it in like two days? Yeah. It's chronic. Buck up. Buck up, Greg. Girl, that's just like a really tough migraine. That's your fucking period, Then Greg dude. says, a week later, I began to hear children laughing and crying in my basement. Every time I would go check it out, of course Nothing. This doll has been in an armadillo coffin in my basement (laughs) 
for the last <laughs> year and a half. coffee. What the fuck is an armadillo coffee? You might. Look, you. Are you sure it's not haunted because you have an armadillo coffin? There's. It sounds like his basement is full of crazy shit. I wouldn't Who tell. Who has an armadillo coffin? What is an armadillo coffin? Agree. I need to get rid of it. I really do believe it's cursed. Sometimes I touch it and it seems like it has a pulse. Maybe I'm just paranoid. Maybe not. The cursed doll measures 21 inches tall. <laughs> His, her, its heads, arms, legs are all composition. The eyes are closed when it's lying down. Please ask any and all questions before you bid on this doll. I have not had it out of the coffin for years, so if anything else happens this week, I will be sure to let you know. The auction is sold as is with no returns, please. Winner pays exact shipping and optional insurance. Check out my other auctions for more vintage collectibles and other fine antiques. Ask all questions before you bid, even if you think you are sure about condition, pictures, etc. Please ask all specific questions before bidding. Thanks for looking and good luck. Okay, so I call bullshit already. Here's the thing. I'm sorry, it's no offense to your story. It's bullshit. Like, it's 100% <laughs> bullshit. That's the shittiest bullshit story I've ever read. I love it. I love that Greg was like, and then the man looked up and started crying. And then he ran. I also love that, that his hands and head like were maybe, warm. I like how that had. worn. Oh, warm. Worn. I thought it was like, it hasn't burned. It's a little and warm because I tried to burn it. <laughs> No, 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 no. But uh, the the image of this, I just, I'm obsessed with. Again, remember, he's a wannabe filmmaker. And then he, like, writes this amazingly hilarious eBay listing. Uh, this guy is... Where the guy kind of thinks his dead son is in it, but only wants to charge him $20. Also, his dead son's t- beloved toy, and this guy wants to get rid of it. And he's like, what? also, you saw the picture of the doll. It looks like a shitty Baby piece doll. of garbage. It's very weird that Greg's trying to say, well, I was walking the flea market and this guy's trying to pack up and go. And I see him with this very dirty old doll. And I'm like, can I take a look at that? (laughs) No, you would not ever ask someone to take a look at that. You'd go look for like a cool T-shirt or cufflinks. What are you doing? You want to look at that dirty doll. Excuse me. The dirty doll. (laughs) Excuse me, sir. Sir. The dirty doll. May I have a look? <laughs> who's coming home unless you're creeper? Who's coming back and being like, honey, I got you a doll. So, so this listing got some attention, obviously, from the public. And then there's this video that kind of got some attention where the doll's arm supposedly moves on camera. And his, the doll is supposed... You can barely see the strings. <laughs> barely. The doll supposedly mouths ma- something. And people say... It's either here or Harold, and from there on out, people start referring to the doll as Harold. Now, the auction ends, the winning bid $700, <gasps> the bidder doesn't pay for the doll. Uh, Smart. So then Greg has to fucking relist it with this story again, and he finds out a friend of his, Kathy, someone he knows, is bidding. So he reaches out to Kathy, and he's like, Kathy, you know that it's bullshit, right? Like, you know I just wrote that it's like a hoax my girlfriend didn't leave me for the pool guy i don't even have a pool like don't i don't even have a girlfriend (laughs) i don't even have a girlfriend he's like i actually have a pool i don't have a girlfriend (laughs) i mean i have a pool yeah he's like look i'm just trying to make money and she's like oh that's okay it's got enough buzz around it that i'll buy it and then i'll flip it later for more money like i think i can make a profit on this fake haunted doll what are we doing with our lives (laughs) 
We should be doll flipping. Let's Hot take, to doll flipping. Let's take, let's take baby Tess. Just kidding. We can't take that away from <laughs> How Cola. How dare you? She wins the doll. The thing is, she wins it and she says strange stuff starts happening. Right? So she keeps it in the closet. She ends up relisting it after like a year uh, in 2004. She says when she relists it, the doll's not haunted, but it is cursed. Eh, as Cole would say, potato, potato. <laughs> Her listing says this. You want you want another absolutely. eBay listing? These absolutely. eBay listings are great, right? I am the person that bought the doll from Greg. I was living in Ireland at the time. The doll did not move on its own or smell of pampers or speak. It did, however, contribute to two deaths within a six-month period and some other creepy stuff while I had it because I wanted to restore it. This doll was cursed, and while I had it, two people I knew died within six, month, six months of each other under tragic circumstances, and crazy stuff used to happen in my Dublin home. When I wrapped it up and put it away, nothing happened. When it was in the house and not in the storage shed, creepy things would happen. We had a roommate who was a health nut, climbed mountains, dove, and was a very athletic guy. Harold was stored in the closet in his room. Three months after moving in, Stephen was diagnosed with lung cancer and died a few weeks later. He had to move in with us because Ronnie, the woman who he was living with, asked to see the doll one day when she was at my house the weekend before she went to Amsterdam for a visit. She fell down a flight of stairs while she was there and died instantly. Also one day, I heard a crash coming from the bathroom. I went in there only to find that everything had fallen out of the linen closet and everything had landed perfectly folded and stacked. In addition, I was on the phone with my fiance when all of a sudden I hear someone scream in the background that there was a huge brown wolf spider crawling up his back. At the same time out of the corner of my eye, I saw a huge brown hairy spider scurry across the living room rug and into the bathroom. Two hours later, Rick came home and showed me the area on the back of his shirt where someone had killed the spider. Hmm. So there's that's her information and just a reverse housekeeper. So she throws Harold up online, and basically, this guy Anthony Quinata is interested. Here's his story. He now owns Harold, and this website that I uh, got my information from is his website. Right. He's a psychic medium, speaker, and author. He's on eBay looking for haunted items because he wants to use his, like, equipment mm-hmm. on them. Um, he's also writing a book called Haunted eBay. Are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? Ooh, okay. Great title, Anthony. No notes. <laughs> No notes. He would like to run some EMF. Do you know what kind of tests those are? Electromagnetic field. Yeah. So he wants to do that and EVP <laughs> yeah, experiments. So, so he that. wants to do. <laughs> do you know EVP? Wait, hold on. EVP. Electrovisual paranormal. You're just listing words. You know that but begin with those letters. What is it? Electronic voice phenomena. I got electric. So electronic. Electric, when they when they record and then you hear like a creepy oh ghost voice. Drum. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's gonna do that those two things and then he wants to also take the objects he gets off eBay and have his friend April look at them because she does like psychic readings of objects. By the way, did he say that did wait, did um what's her face get a profit? Did he sell did she sell at a profit? We're not there yet. Okay. 
he's right now picture we're at anthony's house and he's at his computer being like i need haunted objects beep bop bop beep bop boop (laughs) right computer sounds like that oh yes 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 okay familiar so delete the noise (laughs) (laughs) you just added just reading okay so he finds harold the doll the listing has a reserve on it so he bids like what he thinks is a really high number just to see what the reserve is and he gets an email back from kathy being like why do you want the doll and he's like oh i actually don't even want it i just am curious how much the reserve is and she's like a coy business tycoon. So she's like, well, it's reflective for what I paid for the doll. Um, also, I don't think the doll's haunted. It's cursed. And he's like, yeah, I know. I read your list. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's a reserve on eBay? Um, I think that it's like you have a secret price. So that say that I'm like, oh, so it, it only like the it doll's has $700. And then it's like anyone that puts something below that, I think it's like no you didn't meet the reserve but you can potentially throw out a number and if it meets the reserve you get it oh but it's it's a way of like not blocking yourself from somebody that wants to overpay for your item it seems really weird but okay yeah i mean i'll level with you i don't really know that that's what it is but that's what i pictured when i read the story and so i'm going with it with full confidence that i'm right and that's how we do it in truly darkly creepily Indeed. So while he's emailing with Kathy about the doll, another email comes to him from someone named Strange Magic, M-A-J-I-K. So fun Toys R Us-y spelling. Right. The J is backward. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, um, so the person, uh, Strange Magic says, don't bother bidding anymore. I'll outbid you. The doll is mine. This woman is so manipulative. It seems like obvious it's that her. It's her. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I send it. You get like, it's like probably she has it set up. So if like you email, it just is like a kickback email yeah. immediately. Yeah. Well, and nothing says manly like magic. With so a J and a K. <laughs> Anthony's like, who is this guy? Um, so they like are like in this dick measuring contest right away. And he starts to, Anthony tries to drive up the price of the doll by bidding on it but it's not so much that he wants it it's like an f you to magic on the last day of the auction with four minutes left magic places a bid of seven hundred dollars anthony comes in at 720 he waits to get outbid and doesn't bam you own a very expensive cursed doll so the doll kathy emails him right away though this is kathy emails him and is like letting him off the hook right away she's like are you sure you want it you can cancel it i'm really worried about you having it she's good i should have just thrown it in the ocean and he's like a deal's a deal send me the doll and harold arrives she's smart because now she can be like i offered he can't mm-hmm. oh kathy well so he starts doing his, these experiments on the doll he doesn't register anything right away but then he takes the doll to april remember so she can do a reading on it um and he, like, puts the doll in the Dwayne Reed bag that Kathy mailed it in. And then he's like, I'm going to put holy water in with the doll. And he, like, throws some holy water in the bag as well and a crucifix. And then he takes uh, the doll to April. He doesn't tell her anything about the background and gets there. And she's like, oh, is that Harold? And he's like, 
oh, you know about Harold? And she's like, yeah, that's been like all over the internet and I'm into this stuff. So of course I know about Harold. And he's like a little bummed out because he wanted her like fresh for the read. She laughs and is like, oh, you put holy water in here? Um, Okay, like funny. And she starts to do a reading and then she stops and she's like, nope, no, I'm sorry. Can't, not going to do this anymore. And he's like, why? And she's like, the doll just threatened to kill me. And I have a heart murmur and it feels like the spirit of the doll is squeezing my heart. And Anthony's like, okay, bummer. So he goes home with the doll and he listens to the recording because he had been recording the session. And he says, as he was sprinkling the doll with holy water, he heard screaming. And then he heard April laugh and she's said the thing that she said like oh haha you brought holy water like your whatever she said and then a male voice on the tape responds shut up bitch and then when she starts doing the reading he heard i'm gonna kill you you bitch followed by laughter on the recording terrifying right wait that's really scary it's so scary so he says He's now had the doll for years, um, but that first year, a bunch of stuff happened. People were injured in front of his eyes in the presence of the doll. The doll made people sick. He got seriously injured and had to get surgery. There was one woman who, like, wrote him online and said she was, like, skeptical, like, was like, ah, this is all a hoax, blah, blah, and then wrote back again and was like, Harold visited me at night. When Anthony first adopts a puppy named Chance... The dog won't come in to the room uh, that that he's he's staying in a hotel and he can't get the dog to come in the hotel room. And he has to, like, drag him in or pick him up and carry him in. And then he, like, thinks it might be because of Harold. So he says to the doll, Harold, Chance is like a new member of our family. He's going to live here with us. You have to quit scaring him and you have to make him feel welcome. And after that, the dog will just walk into the room after he says that to the doll weird so one night he's doing this blog talk radio show he has and they talk about the doll and they laugh and the next morning he has scratches all over his left calf and like (gasps) blood all over his sheets oh no um he says that the eyes of the of the doll are blue but they turn black when it gets angry so he, all, a culmination of all these scary things happening that first year lead him to decide in 2005 to put the doll in a storage unit because yeah he just wants to end it. The doll stays in storage for eight years. And then in 2013, Anthony's like thinking about it. And he's like, I might take Harold out of storage. And he's talking to this friend on the phone, Camille, about it and telling her that. And he hangs up and hears a voice in his own head say, she'd better stay away from me. And he calls her back and is like, later, and is like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm really sick suddenly. And he's like, well, how long have you not been feeling well? And she's like, oh, it happened right after we got off the phone that I started feeling sick. So he takes holy water and puts it on Harold. And he's like, don't attack people I love. Ever. And then he hears that same voice in his head say, okay, she's all right now. And he calls Camille back and she's like, I'm feeling much better suddenly. Weird. Weird, 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 weird. So he brings the doll, he brings Harold to a psychic 
And the psychic says, uh, the doll's happy. It's not locked up anymore. And then she did like a second reading later that reveals that there's a, some sort of spirit trapped in the doll, which obviously we know at this point. And that's just obvious. I mean, could have told you that. He and his friend Diane are listening to a recording of a tarot reading that she did for Harold. Okay. And she gets bitten on her right hand by nothing, like suddenly has bite marks. And he looks and there's indentations. And the bite on her hand matches exactly the doll's painted on teeth. Ugh. Mm Mm-hmm. So he has, like, this blog about Harold and all these posts online, and people are interacting with him about Harold visiting them and stuff. It's really creepy because you can just, like, think about Harold or talk about Harold, and mm-hmm. then he'll be able to, like, contact you. No, thanks. This woman, Harold, I'm Donna. Good. I'm good, dude. I'm good. Yeah, it's so crazy. So this woman, Donna, writes him to say this. Just today I went on to my Twitter account, and because I followed Harold, I went on to his page. The first thing I noticed is Harold's profile picture wasn't coming up. Everything else on the page was fine. Everything else was, like, normal on her page, so she thinks Anthony deleted the picture. Then her daughter comes in and starts talking about her day, and she's sitting there talking to her daughter, and her phone landline starts to ring, and her cell phone starts to ring, and they look at the caller ID on the cell phone and it's the their own landline number calling the cell phone and they're like the daughter's like should i answer it that's so weird and the mom's like no because she gets freaked out like what will be on the other end and she goes back to harold's twitter page and is looking again at it and she thinks, I need to get off Twitter and go for a bike ride. And just as she thinks that, she has a flash in her mind where she sees herself getting hit by a bus on her bike. So she's like, I'm no. not going to. But she feels like this is Harold, like, visiting her and that he's trying to, like, tell her something. More people start writing him, talking about visits from Harold. Somebody says they think Harold is pissed. Harold told him that he's angry, that he's that he, you've had him for so long and haven't helped him. Weird. So he keeps conducting these experiments with, um, basically, I watched a bunch of videos of the experiments he does, and he does this thing where he gives Harold a flashlight, like puts a flashlight on the doll and asks questions, and the doll turns the light off and on to answer. Do we believe that? Do you believe any of it? <laughs> right. I mean... Right. Harold it's, appears on the show Ghost Adventures, of course. Well, obviously. He's got a sad card. And yeah. <laughs> he's union. They bring him to the island of the dolls. And then while filming, Zach Baggins touches the doll. And he gets marks on his arm that look like the fingerprints of a child when he does it. And they have like a medium read the doll. And she says souls are attached to it. And that one of the souls is a woman that will hurt people if they get near Harold. People that watch this episode then report Harold coming to visit them. A woman ends up reaching out to Anthony from Australia. Her fake name she gives is Jane and her son's fake name she gives is Vincent. And Vincent's just a little kid, but he's also a clairvoyant. Because mm. you know how right. little kids, yeah. we've talked about we've it talked before. About it. They don't block it. He ends up getting really close to Anthony. Vincent does, the little boy. And they talk all the time. And Vincent 
can give him lots of information on Harold. Harold, like he ends up drawing all these pictures that depict what's going on in inside the doll. Oh, and it's that's so, so creepy. So it's scary. so scary. And some of the pictures have like a prophetic sort of vibe where he'll draw something and then later Anthony will see it. It's I way like scary. I like it. So there's all these readings done and people weighing in on the doll. And the gist of what, after having the doll for years, Anthony comes away with is that there's five entities in the doll. There's two little girls that are somehow related to Harold. And there's a little boy, there's Harold, and then there's a demon. Always a demon. There's always, always a demon. Always a demon. And then there's a bunch. A, a lot of people are like, actually, there's a bunch of souls in here, but those are the main ones. Like everyone else is just um, right. background actor, not SAG. Right. Um, well, they're SAG, but they just they're, they're not, extras. They're not principals. Yeah, they're extras. Um. So Anthony's like, I want to understand these five spirits, how they ended up in the doll, how they're trapped in it, and what I should do. So he's basically spends his many years trying to figure this out, and realizes that Harold's the one calling the shots. He's the demon. Um, And he reports to some sort of bad entity that's even more powerful and evil. I don't know if that's the devil or what. He gets to the bottom of this through people's dreams and drawings and things. The scientific way. It's key crowdsources. It's a Wikipedia. (laughs) It's a haunting Wikipedia. Indeed. Um, He gets letters from people all the... Well, not letters. It's not like the 1800s. He gets emails from people, like, all the time. (laughs) Um, Telling him things about Harold. He also gets contacted by people whose kids, because, like Vincent, are able to get even more information. This guy writes to him and is like... I have a three-year-old. I started looking up stuff about Harold online in my own time, not in front of my three-year-old. And then when I started doing that, my three-year-old suddenly got an imaginary friend. Somebody else has drawn images of characters they think are in the doll spirits. And at one point, it's up on his computer, this guy, and his three-year-old sees it. And she's like, that's my friend. Why do you have a picture of him? And then she says, that's Harold. And he had never said the name to her and she can't read. Oh, I don't like that. But that, I bet he said his name. You can't say with certainty that she wasn't like listening in certain moments when he's talking about Harold. No, you're right. You can't say anything with certainty. Um, Carrie, I'm just being a naysayer. No, no, no. I think, I just think um, it's interesting. So many people write to him. So many people feel impacted by this. It's, um. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And all that it came from this eBay listing that, that was, was a hoax. Total hoax. Um, yeah, pretty coincidental. <laughs> that the doll was really haunted all along. Where did he get the doll? Just from like a thrift store or something? Probably like... I don't know. He doesn't say? I thought I could find that out, but I don't know it off the right. top of my head. The good news. Anthony <gasps> is able to assist the souls that are imprisoned in the doll. And in February of 2017, he goes to Australia. And with the help of some of these friends that he's made along the way on this crazy haunted journey, they're able to somehow facilitate <laughs> we the release. That we this call This crazy life. haunted journey that we call life. <laughs> they release uh, the souls that are imprisoned in the doll with the exception of Harold, who says he wants to stay right. inside the doll. Right. Um, What I will say is that the end of one of the posts I read was, I thought that as soon as this happened, the lives of those who were affected by the doll, including myself, 
would start to become better. They didn't. <laughs> I can't. Harold, can, keep your word, man. Like, there's page after page. Here's the issue. I had to stop researching this because of the amount of information on this guy's website is beyond exhaustive. There are blog post after blog post and video after video. So if this is interesting, just know that there sky is the Herald limit as far as information the, on Harold. HaroldTheDoll.com? Yeah, go to it. I mean... Is it HaroldTheHauntingDoll.com? Yes, it is HaroldTheHauntedDoll.com. And he's got a WordPress... Uh, blog. He's got videos. And, he, and he's only selling items every now and then. <laughs> His book. There it is. Where you can really know about <laughs> the truth. But actually, I can't even imagine what the book might have in it. That the because website there's doesn't. Because so there's so much, much on information it. on this website. So if you... Un, unlike usually... I just thought it was funny. Usually when we do these haunted stories... Yeah. There's so little information. There's so little information. In this case, I really had to stop at a certain point because there was so much <laughs> information. I was like, should I talk about this video or this video or this person that wrote in? It is, if you're into knowing about Harold the Doll, Haunted just Doll, go to that website. Also, let us know if he visits you. I'll let you know if he visits me. Please. Okay. We can keep you updated. I know that's what you're looking for. New friends, new friends like with friends like Harold who don't friends need enemies. Like Am I right or am I right? And that woman from a couple, Guy Babcox, you know, <laughs> that woman. Yeah, let's <laughs> look for her. Please. Hopefully not her. Not her. Not her. Not it. So that's the story wow. of Harold the Haunted Doll. The screaming, the recording, so scary. And the like, her heart murmur, that one freaked me out the most. Yeah. Totally scary. Ugh. Well. Well. It seems like... There's an entity there. I think the mind is so powerful. I do. I think that, like, the power of suggestion. You think it's a placebo effect? A haunted placebo? I do. Okay. I do. I think that, like, you see what you want to see. I, like, I, none of those deaths Carol, of, like. visit Carrie and let her know. Let me know. Yeah. And follow for follow. You know I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you think if we follow Harold on Facebook, if I'll follow us, do you think Harold's a truly Juggly Creepily fan is the question? Oh, hmm. yes. This is his vibe for sure. Totally his vibe. Also, the fact that they're like, I have a friend who died by falling down the stairs in Amsterdam. But, I mean, we don't know if that's true. Should we look into it? Should look. Yes. Okay. When we have time. And I'm so busy right now. Honestly, I don't think I can commit myself to one more haunting investigation. So, like, I have so much to do. And it's, like, it's it's getting to be a lot. And self-care is important. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anyone wants to take the reins, you're more than welcome to. Love you. Bye. Bye.